You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. Particularly for those that are visiting with us, you have parachuted into a discussion about the Lord is my shepherd. And we've been exploring this as part of our larger discussion in a sermon series called One Way, God's Way. And there's only one way to look at things. There's only one way to process things. There's only one way to discharge things. Amen. And that's God's way. And we looked at a different relationships within the body of Christ between husbands and wives and parents and, <clears throat> and children. And now we're talking about church relationships and talking about shepherds and sheep. Just in case you didn't know who you were, you are sheep. Amen. Psalms 100 verse 3 says we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so we know more than anything that sheep need a shepherd because without a shepherd, sheep will stray and they will starve and they will suffer. Amen. And so we know that about uh, sheep and there's so many similarities between us and sheep. It's, it's God's favorite description of us. And I'll tell you this just by way of review in Psalms 22, you get a, 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 a beautiful view of Jesus as the suffering and crucified shepherd, the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. In Psalms 23, you get a beautiful view of, of Jesus as the serving and caring shepherd, the, the, the great shepherd, amen, that is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 13. And then in Psalms 24, you get a great view of Jesus as the sovereign and conquering shepherd, the chief shepherd, good shepherd, great shepherd, chief shepherd, past, present, future. God has it all covered. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord being the one who reveals himself Mm, the one who reveals himself to us as that covenant-keeping God, the God of relationship, the ever-existing, ever-becoming one, who reveals himself and his purposes and his ways. And I love the fact that, that God, what God does is always comprehensive. Come on, somebody. I know it's just review, but you can't get excited when you hear it again. You're talking about God the Father who is the conceiver of relationship. God the Father is the conceiver of relationship because he's the originator. Amen? God the, the Son is the completer of relationship. Amen? Because he's the creator and God the Spirit is the clarifier of relationship because he's the facilitator. Amen? Originator, creator, facilitator, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's the one that conceived it. He's the one that completes it. He's the one that clarifies it. Amen? He's got us covered. This thing called relationship. Jesus said in John chapter 17, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and 
and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So again, he says, I, I'm the completer of relationship. God is the one. God the Father says, I, I've conceived of relationship. I want to be in relationship with you. Even though you are a failed and fallen and, and fallible creature, I still want to be in relationship with you and just understand that you're a sheep. And if you're a sheep, that means you're going to stray and starve and suffer if you don't have a shepherd. So he steps up and says, I'll be your shepherd so that you won't stray, you won't starve, you won't suffer. No, I want you to follow and feed and flourish. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You thought it was about you. You know what? That's your problem. You always think it's about you. He said, this ain't even about you. I'm going to lead you where you need to go, but I do need you to submit, and I do need you to, to understand that, 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 that when I lead you, I'm, I'm looking for you to submit in your personal life, and I'm looking for you to follow so that you won't become stagnant in ministry. Corporately, as a body of Christ, we can become stagnant in ministry if we're not on the move. That's why the shepherd has to keep you on the move. Fresh word and fresh revelation and fresh experiences and fresh ground. He needs to lead us. But in order for him to lead us, he's created us in such a way with free will that we have to decide and choose to follow. That's called submission. Amen. Self-determination always leads to destruction. Self-deception by the enemy always leads to death. But self-denial, beloved, in Matthew 16 and 24, says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Self-denial leads to discipleship. He says, I need you to follow me because I'll lead you not into the paths of selfishness. I won't lead you to the paths of prosperity. I'm not leading you to a, a path of, of, of power and position and possession. I'll lead you to the path in righteousness. Because at the end of the day, the only currency in the kingdom of God that spends is righteousness. And you don't have any. Not according to Isaiah. Isaiah says all of your righteousness is like what? Filthy rags. And the only way we can traffic in the currency of righteousness is to be clothed in Christ's righteousness, which means we have to be covered in his blood. The Lord is my shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. This is where we parachute in today. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Now, let's just talk just for a moment about a couple of things about the valley. The valleys. We don't really like valleys 
just the concept of a valley we don't like. We like the concept of the mountaintop. You never hear anybody win a championship like the Warriors and say, we want to, they always say, we want to get back to the mountaintop. Nobody says, we want to get back to the valley. No, they want to get back to the mountaintop. But let me tell you this about valleys. Valleys are meant to go through. Amen. And valleys are meant to go through and valleys are meant to go through to lead you to higher ground. Higher ground. That's what we really ultimately in terms of destination would would like to be. But but you can't get to higher ground unless you go through the valley. There used to be a hymn that we used to sing at my church growing up that said, Lord, lift me up and I shall stand by faith on heaven's tableland, a higher place that I have found. Lord, plant my feet. Come on, somebody. On high. I knew there was some saints in here. Plant my feet on higher ground. You don't get to high. Usually the best way to get to higher ground is through a valley. From one mountaintop, you go down to the valley to get to another mountaintop, to get to even higher ground. Amen. And the shepherd is the one that that if you think about the the word picture, if you will, if you think about the example here of of a Middle Eastern uh, shepherd or Palestinian shepherd, when it comes to go uh, to higher ground, it's when they're moving from the home range to the summer range and then they come back home in the in the winter so again when it's summertime amen when it's when it's time to be out and about they move from the home range and they are seeking higher ground amen and that's why the shepherd has to lead them in the paths of righteousness he leads them and it's like but here's the thing yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil now again you know who's writing this psalm it's david david is a shepherd He's got shepherd game. Amen. He knows what it takes to be a shepherd. He is a skilled shepherd. And he says, when it comes to shepherding, I am going to take a back seat and I'm going to say the Lord is my shepherd. And I know he knows what he's doing. And again, I'm not afraid because valleys are meant to go through because they lead you to higher ground. The second thing is a valley is the best route to get to higher ground why come on somebody's going to appreciate this because the because the slopes are more gentle you need to turn this down just a little bit the slopes are more gentle you don't want to come up on the rough side of the mountain now i don't know who made that song but somebody said i'm coming up on the rough, and I'm doing my best, dear God, to make it in. But a good shepherd is not trying to, on purpose, take you up the rough side of the mountain. Now, he can make your feet like Heinz feet, as Habakkuk says, and, and, and make you to walk upon your high places. But when you're talking about leading a flock, you're not trying to take them up the rough side of the mountain. So understand the best place to get to the mountaintop is to go through the valley because the slopes are more gentle. You don't want to come up on the rough side of the mountain. But I know what you're thinking. Why is it then in my life it seems like I'm always coming up? 
on the rough side of the mountain. Well, you better check out as a sheep whether you are straying. And if he has to come get you on the rough side, then maybe that's the only place he can take you up is on the rough side. But if you hang with the shepherd and stay with the flock, come on, somebody, let's, let's go through the valley together. Amen. So they're meant to go through. It's best to, to get there. And surprisingly, there is good pasture and water in the valley. Amen. There's good pasture and there's good, there's good water there. But you know what else is there in the valley? Mm. There are dangers in the valley because there's predators in the valley. Always. No matter where you go in Psalms 23, you'll notice that, that David is talking, but there's a presence of enemies. There's, there's always, and because Satan is our enemy and Satan is always roaring like a lion, roaming about seeking whom he what? who he may devour. Again, that, that, that's, that's part of us saying to be sober and be, be vigilant because our adversary is all about us. And so there are dangers in the valley. There are predators, and there, there's also flash floods, and there, there are rock slides, and it's dark. Amen? Part of the reason that it's dark in the valley is because the valley is in between the mountain peaks, and it's the shadow, uh, the shadows that make it dark. Amen? And so those kind of that confluence of circumstances, predators and flash floods and rock slides and the fact that it's dark, the longer you wait, the, lo the longer, excuse me, you walk with Jesus Christ, the longer that you are with him, what has a tendency to happen is by experience, you know what it's like to be in the valley and you can get scared. Flash floods, rock slides, it's dark. It's dangerous. There's predators. That's what it says. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But this is what David said. I shall fear no evil. These valley experiences, beloved, they build trust. Amen. Because thou art with me. Amen. Thou art with me. And so again, you and I need to remember more than anything that when we go through the valley, Jesus is with us. These things have I spoken unto you, uh, John 16 says, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. You let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. And so we have these valley experiences. We have these, these times when things happen to us, when there are rock slides, come on somebody, in our life. There, there, are, there, there are thunderstorms and there are flash floods and the predators have, we've gotten away from the flock even a little bit and the predators have come and, and, and it was a close call because Jesus came and he rescued us but we got a little bit of a bite in our leg or we got cast because we had too much wool. We got cast because we got too comfortable we got cast because we because we moved away from the flock, amen? But in those times, you have to understand that the valley experiences build trust, amen, because he is 
with us. The other thing that the Valley experiences do, they're designed to build trust and they're designed to also remove fear. Amen. Because if you've had an experience with God before, you know that if he did it once, he can do it again. If he did it for him, he can do it for me. You've got Valley experiences in your life, beloved. And sometimes you are reticent to share with other believers what you've been through because you think they'll judge you because you were in the valley. And you lose the power of what God can do with a hurt and an experience. The enemy always wants you in a place of transgression to be shameful. He always wants you to feel like you're the only person that this has ever happened to. This is the only, you're the only person that's ever going to go through this. And he wants you to be shameful. Why? Because shame will drive you away from God. If you're shameful, you won't share. If you're shameful, you hide. If you're shameful, you put on a front like you might do on Facebook where you try to pretend everything is good in your life. We ain't talking about a Facebook life now. We're talking about real life. We're not talking about the fake mountaintop you keep creating with every post that you make. We're talking about the valley. Now, I know that's not good English, but that's good preaching. We're talking about the valley. And it's not just enough to look good. It's better to actually be good. And that means that you have to have valley experiences on your way to the mountaintop. And so God wants to use those valley experiences in your life. He wants to use those flash floods. He wants to use those rock slides. He wants to use those encounters that you've had with predators, the times that you've stepped away, the times you've been cast, the things that have happened to you in the valley. He wants to use those for his glory and for your good. But he can't. If you won't share, he can't. If you have shame and you're running away from him, he says, I don't want you to be shameful, beloved. I want you to be sorrowful because Second Corinthians tells us godly sorrow leadeth us to repentance and a repentance that does not have to be repented of. What that means is you repent, you give it to God. You ask for his forgiveness, and then you stand corrected and complete in him, covered in his blood and clothed in his righteousness. And that means that Satan can no longer blackmail you about what has happened in your life. Amen? No more blackmail. No more blackmail. And that means now you're not, now you're, you're, he can't manipulate you with what happens. Now you're free to minister to somebody else. And that's why to 2 Corinthians uh, 1, 3, and 4 said, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our situations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble with the same comfort wherewith we were comforted of God. He says, you got to get in on this comfort exchange. I comforted you. I came for you. I restored you. You were cast. He restored my soul. You, 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 you see how he walked me through that valley experience. He says, use that. I won't waste that hurt. I won't waste that experience. I want you to be able to share that with somebody else. Give them the same comfort that I gave you. Get in on God's comfort. Don't be ashamed about what has happened. Let God use it for your good and for his glory. We're talking about the valley. 
Now post that on Facebook. The valley. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art what? With me. And that's the last thing. The shepherd is in the valley too. Just like Jesus was in the bottom of the boat when the winds and the waves came for the disciples in that boat and in that boating experience. And if you recall, um, they, they said, Master, careth thou not that we perish? Of course I care. I'm here. I'm with you in the valley. This is actually the most intimate time between shepherd and sheep is when they are in the valley, when they are moving from the winter range to the summer range. It's just him and the sheep. It's the shepherd and the sheep. And it's the most intimate and caring time is when the flock is on the summer range. And so not only do you get a chance to build trust when you're in the valley, you get an opportunity to build relationship. Do you want to get to know the shepherd? Amen. Sometimes the shepherd has to bring you close to him because when you get on the mountaintop, a lot of times you forget you even need a shepherd. Sometimes when everything's going right in your life and you're posting everything you wanted to post on Facebook and it's all good and you got a new car and you got a new job and you got a new bay and a new boo, then you don't need to talk to Jesus no more. You, you, you say, I, I talked to you and I got what I need. I'm good. It's one thing to trust God when you're waiting for something. It's another thing entirely to trust him once you receive it. And so he says, listen, sometimes I got to bring you in the valley so that you'll stay close to me because you have a tendency. You have a tendency to forget you need a shepherd when you're standing on the mountaintop because you'll forget how you got there. The Lord is my shepherd. So I need to build trust, and I need to build relationship. That's why I need to go through the valley. <laughs> thy rod, come on now, and thy staff, they comfort me. Thy rod and thy staff, they they comfort me. The rod is representative of the word of God. The staff is representative of the spirit of God. The word of God in the person is in, in the personhood of Jesus Christ. And so you have Jesus as the word of God. And the Spirit of God, obviously, is the Holy Spirit. Again, thy rod and thy staff. You know what that rod looks like. It literally is a straight stick. It's made out of wood. They can throw it. They can, the shepherd can throw it, and he can hit with it. He can keep it in his hand. He can do a lot of things with it. When I think of the, the rod, I think of... Semi and Akeem in coming to America, they had that that straight stick, right? Took it off that little mop, took it off the little mop at McDowell's, and they handled Samuel L. Jackson and handled that business, right, with that rod. 
Nothing, nothing, nothing fancy, just seemed like a, a regular stick, but they knew how to work those sticks, and a good shepherd knows how to work a rod. Matter of fact, in the Old West, they started to talk about guns in this way. They started to call them rods of steel, amen, because they realized and recognized that a rod represents power and authority, amen. Power and authority is with the rod. What gives more power and authority in our lives than the word of God that is written and the word of God that is living? And he's in Exodus chapter 4. When Moses was saying, I'm trying to get out of this whole leader of Israel thing. And God said, what is it that you have in your hand? He says, a rod. He said, I'll use what's in your hand. You've got a rod, I'll use a rod. Moses was a shepherd. And then also in Exodus 14 and 16, when they were getting ready to cross the Red Sea, he said, but lift up thy rod and stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go out on dry land through the midst of the sea. So again, Moses used his rod to do miracles in Egypt and to part the Red Sea. The rod is a sign. Moses had that. That's how he struck the rock again the rod is a sign of power and authority and the word of god beloved will give you three things the shepherd wielding the rod the word of god in our lives spiritually is for three things it's for defense it's for discipline and it's for detection it's for what defense it's for discipline and for detection, defense against the enemies outside. Amen. Those those wild animals, those 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 snakes that are in the bush. Amen. Those those wild animals that would attack. If you've got a shepherd that knows how to wield a rod, then you can keep the enemy at bay. Is that not exactly what Jesus did when he was tempted in Matthew chapter four? The enemy came to him. And notice, of course, the enemy likes to come after you had what uh, Reverend E.V. Hill, uh, a famous pastor, said after you've had a high moment experience. Amen. Once you had a high moment experience, that's when the enemy wants to come and tempt you. And you know what happened. Jesus was able to keep him at bay and to hit him what with the word of God. Three times he came with them, the word of God. The man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He hit him with the word of God. And again, you cannot hit somebody with the word of God unless you know the word of God. Defense. But the defense comes from the word of God. The enemy will attack and you and I have the ability to be able to retaliate against the enemy by using the rod of God. The, the rod is for defense against the enemies outside. But it's also for discipline for wayward sheep inside. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It, it provides power through its inspiration. 
It promotes profitability through its inspection and it promises perfection through its insight. Those are the three things I would tell you are happening in Second Timothy chapter three. He says the word of God is profitable. Amen. For for what? For doctrine so that you can know right for reproof that you can show right for correction so you can flow right and instruction so that you can grow right. Amen. Let, let, let me repeat that for doctrine so that you can know right for reproof that you can show right for correction so that you can flow right and for instruction so that you can grow right. That's all the things that are happening. You need some discipline in your life. You cannot be a, a disciple without discipline. And aren't you glad you have a God, according to Hebrews chapter 12, that says that it says don't 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 be discouraged by the chastening of the Lord. Amen. Because he only chastens those that he accepts as sons. Again, that means that you're a son. You're not you're not a bastard child. You, you, you're the son of God. Amen. You're the daughter of God. He says, I correct those that I love. Sometimes, beloved, you need a course correction. And that means sometimes that the God, God needs to hit you in the head with the rod of the word of God. Amen. Sometimes he just can't yell out, hey, hey, come back. Sometimes there's dangers and sometimes he has to throw the rod all the way over there, hit you in the back of the head with it and say, hey, didn't I tell you to come? Isn't that how you come on now? <laughs> Most of us grew up this way. What, what, didn't our parents, they, there were certain things, sometimes they could talk to you, but other times they just didn't have, they didn't have time. They definitely did not have inclination, but time and inclination. But there were some things that it was real quick. My mother was real, real a, a nice tight, nice tight chop, a nice ear burn, especially if we were in church. You were clowning in church? That showed, like, God, ow. And I would shut up and sit down in here and whatever we get out of Sometimes they just don't have time to deal with that. There's some, there's some discipline, again, for wayward sheep. And last but not least, and I know you might not appreciate this, but, but it's for detection. You know why it's for detection? There's a, there's a thing that shepherds do as, they come, as the sheep come back. Ooh, Lord, as they come back through the sheepfold, they call it passing under the rod. Do you know that sheep have a lot of wool? And that wool, in our spiritual parlance, as we've talked about it, is worldliness. A lot of things you pick up when you're out in the world, that the, the wool is like, it has lanolin in it, and it's like, a, it's like Velcro, it's like a magnet. It picks up quite a bit of stuff. And the shepherd needs to know what's happening underneath that wool. Now we back to Facebook. Now we back to your life. Now we back to you posting. It all looks good from a distance. Amen. You post what you want. You show what you want. You can go and take a sheep to a fair and and the judge will see it from a distance and you can you can manicure. Come on, somebody. You can manicure that wool and make that sheep look very healthy and fluffy and the whole thing. Oh, that sheep looks so good. But then the judge, if he's a real judge, will place that sheep under the rod because then I need to see what's going on under the skin under the what's going on with the skin 
And then that's when I can see, is there infestation? That's when I can see, are there parasites? That's when I can see if you're really healthy. Because again, beloved, in your life, it's not as important to look good as it is to actually be good. Why are you settling so much for in your life to strive to look good instead of actually be good? Because if you are good, you look good. But the shepherd knows, again, because the shepherd doesn't look at the outward things. He looks at the heart. He doesn't judge the same way. He says, I got to put you under the rod because I need to know what's going on underneath that wool. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder soul from spirit, joint from marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I need to know what you do, but it's more important to know why you're doing it because motivation matters. And the word of God can cut through and, and discern thoughts and intentions. It can cut joint from marrow. It's a alive and active sword. The word of God applied to your life will bust you out on what you're really doing, what you really look like, and how you're really carrying it. And it's the shepherd's job to tell you, you may look good from a distance, but when you passed up under the rod, you got a whole bunch of problems on your skin, in your humanness, in your humanness that I need to fix. Because if I can't detect it, beloved, I can't correct it. And if you keep telling me you're good, you'll stay sick. And there'll be some things that you think that you can handle that when they fully manifest later in your life, you'll find out you couldn't possibly know all the consequences for your choices. Because all you control is choice. God controls the consequences. The rod of God for defense and for discipline and for detection. And then the staff of God. The spirit of God, That's, that gives us the grace, the mercy, the patience, the kindness of God. God doesn't, a good shepherd, it's two, he has two things he has in his hand. He's got that rod and he has the staff. And the staff is the one that has the crook on the end, very specialized piece of equipment and that's for three things as well to draw to direct and to deliver to draw to direct and to deliver that's what he uses the staff for it's the rod and the staff it's the power and authority of the word of God but it's also the grace mercy patience and kindness of the spirit of God a shepherd uses the staff to draw and pull together sheep to sheep and sheep to shepherd mm. he uses the staff to pull together sheep to sheep and sheep to shepherd look at it think about Romans 8 and, and, and 15 which says for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear but you received the spirit of sonship and by him we cry Abba father the spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's 
children. What a beautiful sentiment to understand and know on Father's Day that we can call God our Father. And that when we're in his sheepfold, he says, I will draw sheep to sheep. I'll draw sheep to shepherd. And I'm drawing particularly the, the newborns to their mothers. Sometimes with everybody, they all birth at the same time. And so he says, listen, I, I got to make sure that, that the moms and the babies stay together. So I make sure I draw sheep to sheep, sheep to sheep. I draw them together and pull them together. But then he also can direct with that staff. I don't, God doesn't always have to hit you in the back of the head with the rod. Sometimes what you just need is to say, you're on a path. I want to make sure you stay on that path. And you're just moving just a little bit. Let me just guide you. Just gently move you. You find that comforting. I know I do. He says, you're doing fine. You're doing fine. The same way I believe that as a father, as I taught all of my kids to ride bikes, you remember that beautiful process where they're like, hey, hey, don't leave me. I got my helmet on. I got my cut. I got all my stuff on. And you say, I'm right here. I'm right here. And you would let it go a little bit, and they start to wobble. And you just grab the seat, make a little adjustment. You say, hey, you're doing it. You're doing it, but you, you were right. Don't leave me. I, I got you. I got you. I'm running alongside of you. Just a little push here or there to make sure you have balance. That's the staff. That's the grace and the mercy and, and the patience and the kindness of our Lord that, that draws but also directs. And then finally, he delivers. God is still in the delivery business because sheep have a tendency to stray. He knows who we are. And he says, I can't deliver you the way I want to deliver you with just a rod. I need that crook because there's some places that you can go that I have to stand here and I'll have to extend that out and I have to get that crook around your body and I need to pull you up. Now, some of y'all got, 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 got a little button on it with an extension pole and he got to pull his, just got to go all the way to the back. And then something that goes up over here like this, flip it and then bring it and then pull it in. Now, that don't make no sense. He have a newfangled pole for you, just something with a, like I say, with a button. And a GPS finders app to find you in the first place and then come here and say, how did you get down there? Stop making your shepherd work so hard. Your great shepherd, your good shepherd, your chief shepherd, and beloved, your under shepherd. Amen. But that grace and mercy of God that draws, that directs, that delivers. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me besides the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod that disciplines and provides defense and detection and thy staff that provides, it draws and it directs, 
and it delivers. They both comfort me. Oh, what a shepherd that we need. And oh, what a shepherd that we have.